Welcome to that 80 show, animal, physical, spiritual, popping balloons. Who's the animal, yeah? Who's spiritual and who's physical? Well, we know that Barrett is metaphysical. Barrett is metaphysical. <laughs> I'm all over the place, all over the time. <laughs> and he's very physical because he's a spinning instructor. <laughs> he is. And I saw his TikTok dancing last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Word. <laughs> One of our more popular videos on TikTok and Instagram. Becoming Amazing. a bit of a star there, Barrett. I know, you know, it's so much funnier. And it was just so random. Someone <laughs> came on and Aaron and I just both jumped up and started dancing. It was just, you know. That's what happens to, with 80s music. Yeah. You just can't stop yourself. That is Barrett on the Cliff Central TikTok. What's, what's the, the, the handle of that, if anyone wants it? Uh, I think it's just Cliff Central. Cliff Central. Yeah, <laughs> just Cliff Central. <laughs> TikTok's the one with the dancers, right? Yeah, dance. I mean, it's pretty much everything on there is just dance, people dancing. What is it about the, the fascination? It's, it's actually such an 80s thing to like people just dancing randomly everywhere. Just break out, <laughs> fight dancing. <laughs> celebrate dancing, 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 footloosing, mm -hmm. um, but we're not about that. Today, if you've been watching on any of our social media or any of the Cliff Central social media, we are breaking format of the show today for the Chart Savant, along with his chartish ways of manipulating charts and numbers to his will. <laughs> he, he also <laughs> has a black book that reminds me much of, I imagine... If I had watched Harry Potter, I'd imagine there's a book in there that would be magical. Correct me? I, I imagine it to be like the Hoff's black book. Mm. 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 This is mm. Barrett. Barrett has a black book to be envious of, and he thumbs his way through that book sometimes. And he landed on J for Joan Armour Trading. And over the next mm. hour or so, we'll be hearing from her, uh, specifically because she's got a new album out. Yeah, it came out on the 18th of June. You guys had a listen to it? I've listened to a couple of songs and I really like it. You know, understanding that she does all the instruments, she plays, you know, sings all the words for all the different parts, uh, you're obviously backing and everything. It gave me a new appreciation when I'm listening to it that understanding that one person created that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, you'll hear more about that in the interview coming up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think we were all quite impressed by that because we started off talking to her about lockdown and what she's been doing and how it affected her. And she's like, well, it didn't really because I work by myself all the time and started to tell us about her songwriting process and, and, and the, the process of making music and how she pretty much does everything. And I felt a kindred... Uh, spirit because you know for the show i do everything myself i carry the two of you <laughs> oh really really okay oh, we'll okay. remember that <laughs> no i am just the button pusher in this and so yes of course over the next hour we're going to be hearing from joan armor trading hearing some of her older songs because this is the 80s after all uh if mm. we'll give you details at the end of the interview about her new album an awesome live stream concert uh, coming up that we give you details to. But like I said earlier, we start speaking to Joan to find out, you know, like all of us, it's the great leveler. How did lockdown treat her? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine and I've been doing fine during lockdown. I've had my two jabs. Um, in terms of my work, the, the way I work, it has the, the lockdown hasn't affected me. Um, because I just kind of do everything myself anyway. I'm usually the only person in the, the room. 
Uh, so everything that you hear on the album is just me. I play everything, write everything, arrange everything, engineer everything. Wow. That's it. That's just me. Um, same on the last album, the album before that, the album before that, the album before that. So it's no different for me, this album, than all those other albums. Um, but in terms of kind of general life, in terms of work, no difference. Um, in terms of general life, like everybody else, um, you know, you can just go down the road and get, uh, uh, I don't know, a bag of sugar or something. <laughs> you know, it had to be a, a planned exercise. You can just go to the park for a walk. Uh, whatever you do at the moment, there's some kind of a, a government attachment to it, which is fine. They've, they've got to do what they've got to do to keep everybody safe. Yep. But um, it does make life very different. But, you know, uh, I, th I don't think it's all... Uh, um, negative there, there, I think there's going to be some positives that will come out of it there's always positives out of everything that's exactly. me it's always a positive so let's go back to the beginning okay. you started writing music as a teenager so tell us about how that all started what attracted you to writing songs I, I think I was just born to, to write my mother bought a piano put it in the front room thought it was a great piece of furniture and literally, as soon as the, the the piano arrived, I started writing songs. Nobody said, Joan, this is what you should do. Nobody said, Joan, this is how you write a song. This is how you play an instrument. I just I just did it. It was uh, very natural. And the piano is actually a beautiful instrument to start w writing on or just to start playing. Because I always say you could dust the piano and it sounds good. You know, it's it, you, you just hit one note and then... It's very easy to see the the note by it, so you can hit the next note by it, or three notes along from the first note that you hit, and you start to make up these little tunes just in with one finger. That's the beauty of the piano. It's not so with the guitar. The guitar I find much more complicated. It's a much more challenging instrument. You can't quite you can't even to this day you can't quite work out what's supposed to be happening on the guitar in the same way as the piano. Joan, do you play any other instruments besides the guitar and piano, or is it just those two? No, I play, as I say, whatever you hear on the on the record, it's me. Yeah. So if you hear a mouth organ, if you hear a banjo, if you hear a, a, a what do you call it, a mandolin, if you hear the bass, you, that's, it's me. So this, this album that you're hearing, everything you hear, it's me. Um, oh, wow. Same same as the, on the last album, everything you hear on there is me. I, I can play drums, I'm not good enough to play on my record, so I program the drums. So I okay. program all the drums that you hear, and then I play all the other instruments. In the beginning of the, the, your career, you were in that musical Hair. And how, how was that experience for you being in that musical? Well, uh, hair was, uh, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I do have to tell people though, that I never at any point took my clothes off. It's That's not me. <laughs> there's, there's not enough money or precious gems in the world that would get me to do that. Um, but as a show, I thought it was great. And in my, in my show, uh, in my cast was Richard O'Brien and Paul Nicholas and Paul Barber. That that was part of the, the team. And I think at the time, uh, Richard was writing Rocky Horror while he was in, in that. Um, so it's a, it was a great, you know, it's a great fun production. It was really nice. But ha having said that though, I was pretty quiet. So I would spend my time going into the theater uh, all the time writing songs. That's kind of how people knew me. That's what I did. I would go into the theater, be on my own and write songs. Um, 
so it was it, yes it was it was really good i enjoyed it how has your writing evolved from the beginning the teenagers compared to your latest work uh how's it evolved it's, that's really hard to say i i'm hoping that i'm getting better um, and better all the time i'm trying to get better and better all the time but in terms of the theme of what i write that's remained pretty constant i write about people from observation the most of the songs are from observation i write about love emotion how people interact with each other how they care for each other or not um and uh just try and you know i when i the, the last album was called not too far away and i played that to a small group of people well just a few people <laughs> uh, and they all cried and they were listening to the album and i thought yep yeah, that's it that's exactly what i want <laughs> that's that's the reaction i want and, and because they were so kind of involved with the songs and it really touched them i thought yeah that's it and that's really what writing for me is all about it's, it's about touching people and helping them people have said to me i've used your songs to communicate to my partner well i did an interview in europe once and the guy said um, Joan, when I finish this interview with you, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend with your songs. Oh, wow. How, how cool. That's cool. Amazing. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> During your career, you've recorded rock, pop, jazz, folk, blues, soul and reggae. When creating your music, how do you decide beforehand what genre to play? Or is it like an organic process that you go through? Yeah, up until 2003, it was an organic process. I would, whatever popped into my head as I was writing, I would write. So if a blues followed a, a pop, followed a country, whatever, I would just write that. And then 2003, I thought I might just try kind of honing in on how the album should sound or if it had a theme or what it should be about. So... Uh, 2003 was when I decided that having played everything on my demos, I would now start to play everything on my records. So from 2003 until now, that's been how the records have been. And people don't realise that. They think it's a band. And uh, I've even read a review that said, you know, the band is great. I thought, okay, that's me. I'm the band. It <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> really is amazing. So then... Um, <laughs> So then I thought, well, I might, I'll do a trilogy of blues, rock, jazz. So I did Into the Blues, all blues. And then I had to keep kind of remind myself when I did that, this is a blues. Don't, don't go and do a reggae song now. This is a blues. Did that. Then I did the rock, which is called This Charming Laugh. Then did the, the jazz, which is called Starlight. And then I thought this album it would be quite nice, or the last album would be quite nice if it was quite an acoustic sounding thing. So I played a lot of acoustic guitar. Then this album I thought would be quite nice if it was uh, mainly keyboard sounding. So there's lots of keyboards on it. Um, and so I'd, I just try and give myself little challenges uh, along the way just to see what, you know, what am I capable of? Because I'm, I'm kind of the constant, I'm always there. So I've got to make sure I keep myself interested. Um, I, I try to do that. Understanding that you're playing all the instruments and, you know, doing all those bits and bobs in between, which people don't realize. How, what is your creative process? How, how do you decide which instrument to play first? Or how does it all form together into a cohesive song? Okay, well, the song, first of all, I have to write the song. So if the uh, song yeah. is going to be on the guitar or a piano, then I'm going to play it on either the guitar or the piano and the, and make sure that the song can be played as a song without anything else, because it's a song still. 
on the la- on before the last two albums, I would sometimes write the words first, sometimes the music first, sometimes both together, sometimes a riff, sometimes a piano, sometimes whatever. And then on the last album, the Not Too Far Away, which came out in 2018, I decided that I would write all the lyrics first, no music at all. I didn't even think about music. And I, I really enjoyed doing that. So that's what I did on this album as well. I wrote all the, all the words first, no music. On the last album, the order of the songs that you hear is exactly the order that I wrote them in. So you, song, song one was the first one, song two was the second one. And, it, and I didn't change the order of the album at all. Uh, this one, the, the, the order has changed a bit, but it still did just the words first. And that's quite an interesting thing for me to do to to stick to that. I find that found that really interesting from the last one. And what what I like is if you can read the words away from the music and still get some sense from it. I like that for all my songs anyway. Um, so I, I thought, well, let me do that and not not even think about music. Uh, quite quite an interesting little exercise. Like it. So I don't know what will happen on the next album. Don't know what I'll do, but we'll see. That's <laughs> well, Joan. You were saying you like it when people cry to your songs. I, I listen to the weakness in me over and over all the time and cry. So, <laughs> um, um, do you have any particular favourites on on the new album? Like, is there a particular song that's like has special special to you? Um, I I like all the songs, hmm. of course, because I wrote all the songs. But there's a the, the song that ends the album is called "To Anyone Who Will Listen." And I, I wrote it because I was reading about this chap, I was reading a magazine about this chap who was a depressive, and he was saying that he wasn't looking for people to necessarily give him help or to give him advice. He wasn't looking for somebody to do something for him. What he wanted some somebody to do was just listen to him tell how he felt, just as simple as that. And I, I just really felt for him. That's why I wrote the song. It really touched me. And I watched the program, The Me You Can't See or The Me You Didn't See, the Oprah Winfrey thing with Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga was saying exactly the same thing because we know that she's been through her mental problems. And she was saying that the biggest thing is to have somebody listen to what you're saying. Because she said people can have lots of actions, they can do things, but they haven't listened. And that's that's the important thing. So, yeah. I, I really, as I say, I really felt for that for that guy. Joan, how does it feel that you're still creating music after so many years in the industry? How does it feel? It feels great. I'm glad I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad I can do it. I'm 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 at ease doing it. It's not a chore. I, I'm very lucky. I I never struggled to write a song. It's no it's not a big deal for me. Uh, I was born with this. This is how. This is why I'm here. I'm here to do this. I was given this gift. I, I've always said I can't take credit for what I do because I did nothing for it, apart from be here. Um, I haven't had big schooling on it or anything. You know, it was just a very natural thing. And when I write a song, I can hear all these things that I need to. Having it, I can hear the the bass parts and the range, but I can hear all this stuff. Uh, and I heard, uh, sort of heard an interview with Winter Marcellus, and he said exactly the same thing. He said when he writes, he can hear all the all the stuff that needs to go with what he writes. So 
that made me feel really good. You've performed in South Africa a couple of times. Tell us about the, that experience. I've performed in South Africa more than a couple of times and I absolutely love <laughs> coming to South Africa. I love the people, I love the warmth, um, love just the warmth of just the people, not just necessarily audiences, but just the people. And then I love the audiences as well <laughs> when it's a show. Um, and I love the spirit of the South African people as well, because, you know, South Africa has been through a lot of stuff. And in the main, I think it's coming out in the right way. Of course, you know, I'm not there, so I can't speak properly for, for everything, but you get the feeling that things are definitely not the way they used to be. And um, that's a good thing. I suppose every time you came, you would notice a bit of a change, a bit of a change. Has there been your reflection worldwide, you know, artists with longevity of yours, you've been fortunate enough to be around the world, go to different countries. Have you noticed and what's been the most stark um, thing that you've noticed of different countries as you've toured, as you've visited them throughout your career and the changes in the world in general? Well, what I do notice is that as, as much as we have different cultures, different people, different climates, different continents, people are really just the same. They just want the same stuff. In general, people just want everybody to be kind to them and they want somebody to like them or love them, befriend them, don't beat them up, you know, look after their kids. In, <clears throat> in general, that's what people, that's what I've noticed. I don't think, you know, I don't go to America and think, oh my goodness, the Americans are so good and, and the Chinese, the, the Japanese have never loved their kids. It doesn't go like that. The Japanese love their kids as much as the Americans love them, as much as the Germans love them. Um, and I, I've always said that I think the majority of people in the world are good people who want good for everybody else. But the people who are not good people, who are bad people, are very noisy. They're really vocal. And they give the, the impression that they are the majority because they're so loud. But they're not. Um, and if they were then the world would be a much, much worse place than people think it is. Hmm. That's, that's what I notice. I also notice stuff that maybe that's not what you mean, but for instance, when I started to go to Canada at first, there were areas that I would go to, um, like, uh, let me think of Ottawa or somewhere, where, where it was literally a dirt town. <laughs> it was literally a dirt town. that you'd, you'd have a road, but it was a muddy road. And, it, and then I watched that become a incredible city, beautiful city. Same in Australia. I watched um, um, Brisbane. I watched Brisbane become this place that when I went there first wasn't this place. Um, and that's been quite interesting. And, and in, in a funny way, it makes you think of the Wild West when people were watching <laughs> watching <laughs> cities being built and, and watching kind of gun laws. Uh, well, well, American, they haven't really changed gun laws. But, you know, watching people not wear guns so boldly. Um, made me think of that, um, but no, I think that, I think the thing that I notice the most is that people are generally want the same thing, good stuff. Welcome to that eighty show special edition, talking to Joan Armour Trading, the second of our interview series. Uh, previously spoke to Graham Russell of Air Supply. You can. Uh, find details of that on our Facebook page, that 80 show SA. Dory's favorite Joan Armour trading song, you just heard there, 
the weakness <sighs> in me. Man, sorry, I just have to compose myself and like pick myself up off the floor after that one. It's very that lovely. is oh that song just oh it hits me right in the heart, man. It really does. I was so happy that I got to tell her that, but yes, anyway, that's coming. Um, so that song actually has when she first released it in 1981, it didn't even do it, it didn't even chart. It did nothing for her. But it's become like those cult movie classics that I always talk about. It's become one of her most popular and most well-known songs. And a bunch of people have covered it. It's also been on a couple of movie soundtracks. It was on 10 Things I Hate About You. Okay. And on season one soundtrack of the TV series, The L Word, which uh, I don't know if any of you watched. Yeah. I watched that. Anyway. Um, and then it's been covered by, okay, I, didn't even, I haven't even heard of half these people who've covered it. Carla DeVito, I don't know who that is. Thelonious Monster. Wait. <laughs> um, Maybe that was the only song in the name. <laughs> no, I don't. Thelonious Monster are apparently a punk rock band, so I don't know. And then um, some folk singers named Frances Black and Kieran Goss did a cover of it. The one I know and love is a cover by Melissa Etheridge. You know, she's like pop country. She does a lovely version of it. She did that in 1995. Then... Actress Cassie DePaver covered the song for one of her albums. I've never heard of her. Bob Rowe covered it for a tribute album called Tom Thumbs Blues, a tribute to Judy Collins. Again, don't know. Don't know. Don't know, guys. Don't know. You know what I'm saying? Another folk singer, John Wright, also covered it. And then one of the more well-known versions, which I didn't actually know, but other people might, is the British singer Keisha White did an R&B version of it in 2005. That that's the first one that comes up if you Google it. For for absolute, I mean, I'm just horrified that that's the one that comes up. But the the original by Joan is the best, and then the Melissa Etheridge is also a really good version. These others, I don't know, guys, I don't know. But uh, I was really happy that she spoke quite a bit about that song because oh, it's a goodie, man. It's a goodie. She said uh, it's the. She wants to play music that people cry, and you want the first response she wants. Is <laughs> yeah, she wants cry. to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> Joan, we're obsessed with the 80s on our show. It's all 80s all the time for us. <laughs> so I want to know, in the 80s, what were you listening to? Like, what were your favorite artists listening to or bands, uh, especially when you started, you know, moving up the charts as well? And I'm sure you, uh, you know, were touring with other bands and stuff like that. Have you got any stories for us? <laughs> no, because I'm, I've always been very quiet, very kind of on my own. Um <laughs> So I haven't got, and I'm not a big mixer, so I haven't got lots of, you know, I was jamming with this person and I haven't got those stories. You need another person who was in the 80s who did that, but I was, <laughs> I kept myself to myself then and, and now. Um, so don't really, I, I, if somebody asked me this just now, um, you know, you, you, you toured with Supertramp in that was the 70s or 75, uh, 75 was it? Uh, yeah. Were you hanging out with them? And of course the answer is no. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, I, you know, we'd do the gig, I wouldn't be going into their room to, to chat with them. I hardly spoke to my band, let alone. <laughs> so, but people, you know, people know me, they know the band soon gets used to that I will be on my own and uh, I, I won't be going socialising and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. unfortunately I can't give you those stories. 
And so, oh, it's all right. <laughs> if I was, you know, if I was supporting somebody or if somebody was supporting me, I would all. I tell you what, I would always do. I would always, always, always watch whoever supported me every night, even if they supported me every night for the whole tour. If the tour lasted a year and they were on the tour for the year, I would watch them every night because I think at that point it's important to support. Uh, you know, people who are supporting me. So that that's something I always. I think people used to think, "Oh, John's crazy. You've seen us sixteen sixteen times. Why are you watching the 17th But I, <laughs> it was important to me. Um, but yeah, apart yeah. from that, no, very quiet. I'm so boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> what about what about what kind of music you were listening to, or even the music you listen to now? Any South African music in there by any chance? I don't know what the dancing is called. It's kind of a little bit like body popping dancing, where the, the arms go right round the back, and you know, it's very distorted stuff. Uh, and I saw that stuff in South Africa for the first time, and then uh, I've seen it other places now. What was I listening to? I, I'm not a big listener of. I lo I know a lot of music. I know a lot of things. Um, and I'm aware of a lot of things, and I've always been aware, but I've never been a big buyer of music. Mm -hmm. And it's that's just because I'm writing all the time. You know, this is my twenty mm. second uh, album, and uh, you've got to have space to write that many songs. So uh, I'm more busy writing than listening. And the the guys would be on the bus; they'd be on the bus, and they'd all have the headphones in, listening to I have no idea what. I can't do that. <laughs> I I can't be listening to music every two minutes. <laughs> I spend all my time, you know, singing. To the to the audience every night for two hours, two and a half hours, whatever it is. I don't really want to be listening to a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's kind of too much. <laughs> yeah, but there's loads of people I like. I mean, I love Kanye West. Absolutely love Kanye West. Uh, I love Wiz Khalif. Um, loved Amy Winehouse. Uh, there's all kinds of. Um, artists that I really, really enjoy. I like Justin Bieber. I think he does some great <laughs> songs. He does. He does some really good songs. Yeah, great, I agree with you. He's a good pop singer. You. you know, he's a good pop singer. Yeah. Um, so there's just there's loads of things I like. I think Ariana Grande's uh, got a great voice. Um, I don't always think the songs that she chooses. She has a massive success with all the songs she chooses. So what do I know? But I don't always think she's singing the right song. But I do think she's got a great voice. Lady Gaga, incredibly talented woman, yeah. I think. You know, um, so there's loads of people that I like, but um, I'm not constantly listening to and and uh, you know necessarily buying their records or whatever. But I certainly admire what what they're doing for sure. So Joan, the evolution of how music is produced and consumed by listeners has tra drastically changed since you started out. What are your thoughts about the whole digital streaming compared to the old ways of how music was consumed? What's your thoughts on all of that? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's it's really good that there's so many different outlets for people to get music, and I, and I also think it's it's quite good to be able to go onto I don't know Sonus or Apple Music wherever you go in and say, I want to hear some Rolling Stones, and you'll hear the whole catalogue if you want. That's great. It's great to have that access. Um, people don't hardly download music these days. They buy CDs and vinyl, but in a 
in a nostalgic way, not in the way that it used to be, which is fine as well, again. Um, but but it's it's more subscription based now, so you can get whatever you want if you pay whatever a month and, and it's there. I think all of that is fine. Where I think it goes wrong is that the providers, the people who have the music on their platforms, don't pay the artists mm. what they should. Because, yeah. you know, if you think about... And I, I remember reading a thing, and Lady Gaga, I can't remember how many millions of streams she had for this song. Millions of streams. And she got £400. Oh, my I mean, that's ridiculous. That's and then uh, uh, somebody said that Gary Newman said he had, again, however many streams, and he got £38. Well, that's no good, is it? You can't no. live on that. And what they have to remember is that, as an artist, you're laying out money to do to do stuff you know yeah. you're, you're you're either paying for a studio or if it's your own little recording studio you've got to give your friends something to come and uh, play play with it so you they've got to pay for their petrol or give them food or so there's there's you're laying out money but if nobody's giving you some money back for your work how do you how do you sustain that and you've, you've got to you've got to keep to a certain standard people want a certain standard want a good quality now, if you're not allowed as an artist to dream, because that's how you create, you create by looking out the window. I don't know if you know hard times, but Mr. Greg Grind said you mustn't look out the window because it's a waste of time. But you must look out of the window. Yeah. You, you have to dream. You have to look beyond those trees and look up into the sky and, and imagine what's there. And um, it, the, the platforms like the, the, the YouTubes and the uh, Apple Music and all those guys are not allowing people to have that dream, you know. Uh, so it definitely needs some gov government intervention to change some laws to allow people to get some proper um, money for what they're doing. It'll, it'll kill music if they're not careful. Yeah. Um, it'll kill, certainly kill music as a career. We don't want it to be a hobby thing. And everybody wants music. Yeah. Music is it. Music is almost like breathing, you know. Yeah. We we need it, um, and you need to have good stuff. You need quality stuff, and people need to be paid for the quality stuff that they're giving out. I, w I was going to ask you actually about that. What would be the solution to? Because it? it seems that these platforms have just put themselves. In, they're so powerful. They're making a fortune off other people's work. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, I think they one of the platforms recently upped it by like a few cents recently and everyone's supposed to be happy about it so i mean yeah. it has to go to that level of probably government intervention to it, go you know you can't no do this anymore mm. yeah there's no other way it has to be a government thing that says you guys you're making a lot of money and you're still making it you'll still make a lot of money yeah. if you pay people properly but it has to be a government thing don't rely on them because they're not going to do it they're not going to say oh yes no, we've no. made five pounds let's give you a pound <laughs> they're not going to do that <laughs> Yeah, but they're going to say we're keeping that five pounds, and and you have to think of young artists, young artists who are trying to rely on pubs and clubs and um, small gigs to make money. Well, that's closed for them now. So if you're if you're playing their stuff and you're not paying them as well, and they can't go to do live gigs, they're sunk. Yeah. So the, the the aim is to get government to make a change. It's um it's quite interesting what you say there because in the South African music scene, that's what a lot of artists do is that they 
can't really, really rely on record sales that they go off and they just do gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and go off with boxes of CDs yeah. and sell the CDs at their gigs. And, and that's how you sometimes see people's record sales, but this stuff's not in the stores, but because they're actually sitting there and their, their concert is like an hour and a half ad to sell yeah. a CD, you know, and it's, yeah. it's hard work. Yeah, it is hard work. But you know, most musicians are so in love with music yep. that they're happy for, for that. But they're not happy to not be paid, not happy to not be rewarded. And as I say, you don't want it to to turn out to be just a little cottage industry of substandard. Excuse me, saying that substandard music because you can't afford to have quality. Do you know what I mean? No. Uh, so. <laughs> I think that, yeah, the, the thought that music could be a cottage industry is quite. It's quite, <laughs> but it's quite strong to think, you know, that's, that's where it could be. Um, well, it could, if they're mm. not careful. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Joan, listen, I, I want to thank you so much. We're going to sort of wrap up. and we, We're so grateful for your time. And uh, what I want to say, if I, if I don't get to say it, is that when we speak to people and we try to uncover why the longevity, what is it that keeps certain artists so relevant? And, you know, what it always comes down to for me is humility. And whenever we find somebody who has be, been as successful now as they've always been, is that the person is humble. And, and that's what strikes me about you as well. And I'm sure the rest of the team go, you're just a normal person who I'm sure is behaving the same way today as you always have. And, and, and that's really great. And we thank you for treating us with, with the respect that you have. That's my pleasure. <laughs> I, 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 I try and... I don't even try and stay as I've always been. I've only known me to be like this. So I don't know how else to be. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, Joan, I want to ask you, this is where I got really excited because I think we share a passion for comic books. Oh, okay. But more than anything, right? So everyone goes comic, they immediately think of the superhero stuff. When I read about how doing the research, two names popped up that I haven't thought of in probably 20 odd years is Dandy and Beano. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I grew up, I was like so excited to read those names and all these stories and the characters and everything just came running back to me. And I was looking around my house to see if I still had any old copies, which I don't have, unfortunately. And it's not really a question, but it's just almost like a fan moment of going, what fantastic comics those were. I know you were in. Bino. Yeah, I was in, I was in the Beano. Yes, you were in I was the Beano. on Tom Dick and Sally Page, <laughs> and uh, Tom Dick. Uh, they were li they were listening to me on the radio, and uh, I invited Sally to have a, 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 a lunch or something with me. And the boys were kind of teasing her. Yeah, of course, he, Joan or Jenny's going to take you to. And then you you end up with the two of us sitting having this meal, and the boys looking through the window like jealous. <laughs> See. <laughs> Fantastic. Being in a comic, that'd be the highlight. I'd be, I'd be. That's me. That's me. The yeah. highlight of my career. <laughs> that is, that is the highlight. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just so magical. And I mean, listen to, to, to Barrett and Dory. You know, uh, Dandy and Bino. They had such a funny device of where they would, if somebody prodded you, they would write prod or push yes. or twist. Or <laughs> and I loved that. I remember a stage as a kid when I pushed my sister to be push shove. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, I absolutely love comics. I, I still read comics. I still read those. I get those every year. Yeah. Get those annuals every year still. Um, don't buy the the little comics every week anymore. But the annuals I get every single year. Anything really special or, or exclusive in your collection? 
not no not really not really uh, if we went back years and i used to have a lot of i would have thought very valuable old comics but my mom threw them away <laughs> oh, no, i read that oh, it no. destroyed me it's just so t- i couldn't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Judd. I think uh, Barrett's got the last question for you. Before I end off, just so you know that you and I share a birthday, oh, both okay. 9th of December, so right. Saggies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is next for Joe? What's next? What's I know the album's coming out shortly, and what else is happening? Well, the album's coming out. I'll be doing the live stream on the 31st of July. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so people can go to my website to to get tickets for that. Uh, but I'm all, already thinking about what the next album should be. I won't tell you what it is because I'm still working it out myself, but I'm, that tends to be how I work. I'll, I'll write the album, and then when the album comes out, I'm thinking of the next one. So that's where I am now. I'm thinking, well, what, what do I want to do? How do I want it to be? Um, and... Um, you know, I just live with that until the time comes when I start to write, and then it'll it'll hit me whatever needs to happen. Um, and then I, I actually I'm looking forward to having a a bit of a rest. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking forward to putting my feet up and just watching the television for a bit with nothing to do because that's just not happening at the minute. <laughs> you deserve it. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so Joan, your your live stream, I believe tickets go on sale. People can register soon, next day or so, uh, or next week. The, yeah, the tick the, the the album comes out on the eighteenth of June, yep. and the ticket sales uh, you can buy a ticket now, but the but the actual show isn't until the thirty first of July. So, um, yeah, and it's going to be in, it's in a great place. It's in a an old church. It's like those beaten up churches that have lots of character got great stained glass window lovely colors but it's old and a bit kind of gnarly um but looks fantastic great atmosphere so really looking forward to people coming to the show and they'll get songs old and new so they'll hear weakness in me there you go (laughs) they'll hear hear, uh, down to zero drop the pilot um me myself I but there's also here already there which is on the new album and and uh, natural rhythm and different things on the new album as well so they get a good cross-section of, of songs from through the through the years thank you so much for your time I know we've gone over a little bit our half an hour but we really appreciate taking the time for us this afternoon and your generosity of time and answering our questions we really do appreciate it thank my you so pleasure. much my pleasure thank you so this is that 80 show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, before we get into the details of the live stream, Barrett, your impressions of Joan, we sort of said it there. What was your feeling in that hour that we spent talking to her? You know, again, another interview where, you know, we were just going with the flow, rolling with the punches, so to speak, because the it's new to our show, as we know, many more to come, and you know, I enjoyed it. It was different to her supply, but it was really good. I just felt that she was engaging, she was conversing, and she was listening. And, you know, speaking to us from the same level, which it always should be. So I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, what I really liked about it, what I was struck by, was how 
she's just so unbelievably humble and she's like oh no you know i'm she's she's just not that whole big superstar persona at all just a normal person who just loves making music and is so damn good at making music and that's all she wants to do and she has the right like intention behind it you know it's not for the fame or the money or anything like that it's just she loves doing it it's in her soul you know we recorded that over zoom and it yeah. was the three of us plus Joan. And, and you know, we're, we're on early and we've all got our cameras on. And then you see Joan armor trading <laughs> is, is in the waiting room, you know. So yeah. you let her in. And her camera was off. And the first thing she goes, oh, there's three of you. And her camera stayed off the whole time. And, and as you go through the conversation and you sort of know that she's notoriously shy. And yeah. I was like, well, that is so on brand that you first yeah. take, I mean, you are, I mean, she is massive, massive superstar and she's intimidated by the three of us and she kept her camera off the whole time. And it's just like, wow, that is so on brand. That is perfect because she's such an artist and so many of the things she spoke about and even how passionate she was about the record labels and people not getting their dues and not being paid properly. It just spoken like a true artist. And and I feel that like whether she had the success or not, she'd still be gigging and playing and, and making music. And that's phenomenal. And we said it there, the humility, just a normal person just yeah. wants to make music and still making music. Um, we want to give you some details about that. Barrett, you said you've listened to the new album. Give me, give us the name there. It's called Consequences. And it's it released out now. Yes. On all places you consume and listen to it, give it airtime, love it, play it and sing it. <laughs> So the reason they spoke to us is along with the new album, they also wanted to promote, like, I think we've seen all of these sort of like live stream concerts, but they're now taking on a different life and they're starting to become a lot more sophisticated. And the one Joan is uh, putting together, I believe you can register and start getting tickets now. Uh, sounds like something special. Barrett, you got the details on that? Um, yes. So it is on the 31st of July. You can get all the information from uh, Joan Armour Trading's website. Join in. I Just so on this, I actually attended a virtual concert in December. I paid for it, and guess who it was? Uh, Kylie? Absolutely. So, you know, these, <laughs> these, I was dancing and dining by myself. Hey, woo-woo. But hey, it was a bit weird, but, you know, it, it, the music had, needs to keep getting out there and it's a way for it to keep moving and keep flowing. So check out Joan Armour Trading's website, social media uh, channels, and you'll be able to get more information. Uh, did you guys get VIP tickets from Joan? Uh, can you get VIP for virtual? How <laughs> would we go with VIP? You can. You can. You, okay. get to, you can dress up or you can dress down. And I think that's as, as a VIP, you'd actually dress down. The less, the better. It's awkward now because now I realize you guys didn't get a VIP and I did. So, I mean, Joan sort of like... Are you dressing up or dressing down? I'm going to be half, half. So, formal at the top, (laughs) party at the bottom. Wow, fancy. That's going to be... A mallet in your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a mullet in my clothes. Yes, story. Oh, 100% be a mullet in my clothes. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the time with Joan Armour Trading as much as we did. All the details about the live stream and her album, we're going to put on our Facebook page, That 80 Show SA. 
Uh, yeah. We're also going to give you details in case you want to share this with somebody else, you want to listen to it. We're going to put this up for you to listen to again. Um, our time with Joan Armour Trading. Going to play out with a Casper song of hers. Mm. Okay. 1990. But this song was more than one kind of love, was such a phenomenally massive song in South Africa. I don't know if you guys remember at the time. But it yeah. was huge. Yeah, absolutely. It was huge. It was everywhere. And I th- I didn't even realize, I mean, at the time, I, I didn't put, put it together, that I always thought it was a South African artist because she was so big. It was so big. Huh. Yeah. But, you know, that, that that's me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I say, all the details on that 80 show essay on Facebook. Next week, normal programming resumes, unfortunately, for you. It's well, just going to be abnormal. Really, but yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, thank you very much, Dory, for uh, for your time. Barrett, thank you for organizing that. You have been given a task of the next people to get for us. And I know it's happening, right? it's moving, and it's getting there. Yeah, a couple already almost there in the diary, so stay tuned. Yay. Yes, Barrett. Excitement. <laughs> savant. Because we all know the 80s are coming back, whether you like it or not. Guys, everywhere we look, the 80s are there. And yep. not, just, not just in like my curtains at home, which <laughs> I haven't changed in a long time. Uh, the 80s are always there. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.